What's up and welcome to the single player experience. As always, I'm your host Sebastian Malden and as you probably saw in the description, this episode is going to be a bit different than the norm. So recently I was the guest on the X Button podcast, a wonderful podcast hosted by Paul and Alejandro where they talk about the gaming news that you need to know about and they do deep dive gamer reviews. So in that episode, we did a deep dive early impressions review of Hogwarts Legacy. This was a really good episode and I wanted to bring this episode to my audience here on the Single Player Experience podcast, especially if you're thinking about getting Hogwarts Legacy or wondering if it's worth the hype. So without further ado, let's start the show. DJ, start the intro, bang! This is the Single Player Experience, the podcast that helps single player gamers manage their video game backlog. I'm your host Sebastian Malden and my main quest is to help you manage your ever-growing video game backlog by letting you know which single player games are worth your time and money so that you can have the best single player experience. Now without further ado, let's start the show. DJ, cut the beat. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of DX Button, Season 3, Episode 6, if I'm not mistaken. I'm one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is the is my co-host. Paul, hey everybody, how's it going? I don't have a special title today. Yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> think of one today. And our very, very special guest. Hey, it's me, Sebastian, from the yeah. Single Player Experience Podcast. How are you doing today? How, um, are, you, how are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing pretty good, all things considered, considering there's many hectic stuff in our lives, right, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sebastian we had already teased that you were gonna be visiting us for this week's episode and then you visit us earlier even in last week's episode thanks to the nintendo reg you're becoming more of a regular which i'm very very happy about i love having you in <laughs> I love well thank energy. you always glad to be here you know like i'm sort of like a vampire into the night you invite me in and now i'm just <laughs> yeah, i'm able to come in at will now you know that's how the rules work eating our pantry out just like it's 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 a nightmare you yeah just, like, for sure feed like on the, the couch and everything just wants to chill <laughs> yeah. oh exactly i got a question for you paul before we begin yeah, what's up? you picked up some soda what are you drinking what's what's the bubbly this is going to be uh zevia cola flavor <laughs> cola essentially flavor. it's it's zero calorie soda that's like way better for you but if you weren't like if you closed your eyes this would taste like coke and there okay. is like different flavors all over the place. Um, there's one that's root beer flavored. We're out of that, but I swear it tastes just like root beer and it does much better for my stomach. So she makes me happy. <laughs> will, okay. that be, will that be available for your moving, Paul? Yes, actually, that's where we found out about it. But then we found out our local grocery store also sells it. So we were like, win win. Let's go. Nice. <laughs> you know, Zevia, if any of you reps are listening, this is the perfect podcast to, to endorse right here. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we we've we've already tested the products. We know it's great and everything like that. Let's let's talk business now. Yeah. People always say that they're too prideful to sell out. I am not. I will do just about <laughs> yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, we sell out everything, including Delsim. Remember? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was sick. I had my I had my syrup ready. I remember, <laughs> I remember it well. Yeah, we can rep everything because we believe in everything here that we champion. Because this is the X Bottom Podcast, our gaming podcast that posts every Thursdays from 2 p.m. onwards, God willing. Available in the YouTube channel Escape Gaming, as well as most audio services around the world, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. 
You can find links in the RSS feed at anchor.fm slash escape gaming. If you enjoyed the show, give us a like and subscribe, and you can leave a comment if you're annoyed by the chainsawing happening in my background. So, <laughs> Sebastian, now you're going to be in a full episode because we usually get you in at a special episode or halfway through a recording like we did last week with Paul Hort. We started recording, then we did a reaction for the Nintendo Direct. You joined us halfway through that Direct, and we're like, hey, do you want to finish our recording with us? And we got you in. So our uh, Nintendo Direct reaction is live now on YouTube, where you can see me freak out. Paul got amazing screen caps that I, I can forever use. <laughs> over I was me, very like, proud of those. Yeah, that was not me playing a bit. I was legit that excited about the things that they were mentioning, including... Uh, a game that I recently reviewed, Metroid Prime Remastered, where we're going into what games that we've been playing. I literally was like, started playing that. I told Paul, Paul, this is really amazing. I'm kind of shocked by this. And then over at Season Gaming, we're like, anyone buy this? And I was like, I did. Want to review it? I was like, sure, I'll review it. I had committed to play another big game that we paid for the deluxe edition that we're going to talk about here in the show. But sure enough, I'll, I'll review that one. It took me three days and I beat Metroid Prime Remastered, and I tell you. That's probably my favorite. Uh, it's probably the best thing I played this year right now, but I don't want to say it's the best game of the year because it's an old game. But God, yeah. Metroid Prime Remaster was like, what was Nintendo smoking back in 2002? Or did they have like a time trial machine to have like a game that holds so brilliantly well 20 years later? Like, I sent you guys screenshots like in, in, to, our, to our chat. It's like, it's insane how it looks. We're like in the era of the Switch where we have games that barely run. Like, I mean, Pokemon, even Bayonetta 3 last year was having like trouble, like maintaining like good frame or like a, a, like re decent resolution. You look at the screenshots of Metro Prime Remaster. And I'm like, where was how, how did Nintendo this time was like they actually put effort like me and Paul, like we went ranted like immensely about how poor the quality of Skyward Sword Remaster was, like, how cheap, like. I feel like they did the minimal bio, like the minimal viable product there, where it was like a simple remaster that still looked pretty old and really floaty. They, um, yes, they gave us like traditional controls there, but they didn't go far, like too far, to be able to like customize them and give you like a camera that actually worked. That was like, no, hold the LB button and then use the right stick to be able to move the, to be able to move the camera. And <laughs> were you were you choking, Paul? <laughs> I wasn't choking. I was like spilled part of the, <laughs> the drink on the side of my face. And I was just like, oh, gosh, dang good thing, it. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good thing you're wearing a black shirt. <laughs> Get that out today. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it was reps, like, the, the soda is so good that it makes him drool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All the drooling. <laughs> he drooling listening to me. Gosh. <laughs> so, but yeah, with, remembering that, I was like, it felt like it was such low effort and it was 60 bucks. It was, we always know that Nintendo, when it came to, comes to remasters, it was like they always like overprice and they do the minimum uh, job possible. Like Super Mario 3D Ulcers, the collection that's already dead. So yeah. this, the work that they put in, and at 40 bucks, even though, yes, it's not the entire trilogy. You could buy the entire trilogy back in the day on Wii at a limited edition for 60 bucks. It goes for like 300 bucks in the aftermarket right now for some reason. Uh, that I'm, when you look at that, it's like it's, I'm actually impressed that Metro Prime Remaster exists like it is. It's like, I can't recommend it high enough. It's uh, to me, I'll say it again. Nintendo hasn't made a game this groundbreaking since. 
Let me ask you something. Like, do you feel like it is closer to being a remastered, or do you feel like this is closer to being a remake with um, like, some of the new? It's a visual age? remake, I would say. Okay. This is like in the vein of the Shadow of the Colossus uh, remake mm-hmm. we got in 2018, which is the exact same game as it was back in 2005, but with the quality of life of like better controls and the visuals are completely redone, but they keep the spirit of the original. Okay, but, that, that but, was my question. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like we're in this weird period of the definition of what a remaster and remake is. It's like so muddled. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> perfect timing. So like, for example, we got Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was a completely visual remake. And on top of that, that whole entire game got remade that it wasn't completely at all how it used to be back in the PS1 with all they added and all that. Then we obviously got the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes that are also completely redone in visuals, and they're not the exact same games as they were back in PS1. Then we get something like Dead Space, which they have tweaked and added a few things, but 90% of that game is still true to the original, but the graphics are completely redone. So it's like, and, and this one, I put it more in the Shadow of the Colossus realm of all visuals redone, especially I was watching the Digital Foundry video where they do the back and back and I'm like, it's insane how bad the GameCube version looks like in my mind. Because when I started play, playing the remaster, I was like, this looks like how I remember it looking just now in HD. This time I was like, no, they actually went above and beyond. Like textures completely redone, lighting completely redone, frame rate stuck at 60 frames, which was not a problem back in GameCube. That game was like that smooth back then, which was revolutionary back in 2002. And they managed to keep that while reworking the visuals. And on top of that, being able to play a game with like an honest to goodness FPS controls. That was a game that you couldn't play at FPS. Like how you would know FPS controls to be back in 2002. It was like all in one stick to turn around, to be able to like strafe, you had to be holding the lock on button and relying a lot on locking on. And the shooting was like in the front face button. So it was like, it worked for what that game was trying to do. But if you were to have played like a shooter, let's say Halo before it, or any other like a Medal of Honor and go to that, it would be a nightmare because then you have to like retrain your mind. This time around, yes, those that old control scheme is there if you want to be a traditionalist, but you can play it with double sticks and it works phenomenally as a first person shooter. And if you were always wondering how did this control when it had a Wii version, you can also play it like that, like with the two uh, Joy-Cons. And, and you said that end. works really well, doesn't it? Yes, and that immediately was like, yeah, this basically tells me that Metroid Prime 3, whenever they decide to release it, they can release it as is with that control scheme because it worked perfectly. I would say even more precise than it did with the Wii because obviously you don't have to calibrate your Wii and the having a stupid bar in the top of your t- in the, the TV, there's easy recalibration. It's like, I am just shocked. I'm just actually shocked because I expect the worst from Nintendo when it comes to like re-releasing their games, and they went far above and beyond with this. Like, I hope you guys play it. Like, especially how cheap it is compared to other stuff in Nintendo. Especially now that we're gonna be delving into the seventy dollar range, as they we saw with uh, with Tears of the Kingdom. Like, this is a must buy. Like, if it comes physically, I think this week they're selling it early because they said that it was gonna be available on the twenty two. So if you wanna go the physical route. It should be there. I tell you, this is the best game on the Switch. Even if it's 20 years old, it doesn't look like that. This, like, craps a lot on that library. <laughs> so, 
Thank you, everybody, for coming in for Alejandro's TED Talk about Metroid Prime Remastered. Yes, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I'm feeling like, and you, can read, is... and you can read my review over at SeasonGaming.com. Like, spoilers, I gave it a 9.5. I wanted to give it a 10, but they're prickly about when we get 10s over there. This would have been a 10 out of 10, like, if I was reviewing it by myself. But under their rubric, this is a very sensational, re like, release. So um, That's great. Yeah, so, Sebastian, tell me about Arcane Vale. Arcane Vale. Have you like? Here's Why a general. I've not heard about Arcane Vale. So. No one has. No yeah. one has. And like this game flew underneath the radar. It was released late last year. This game is like a game that sort of combines like um Sky uh, like Skyrim. Um, it combines Skyrim with a little bit of a um bit of like dark souls kind of vibe to where like on demon souls kind of vibe to where it combines those but it has a 2d atmosphere to where like, like it's down 2d here right yeah kind of yeah um so yeah one of the general things about this game like giving you the general pitch is like you are not like just like oblivion you're not like the prophesied one you're not out there to try to save the world you're just simply a random person trying to just do simple quests and become like whatever you want to be if you want to be a strong warrior you can do that if it has a stardew valley element to where you can create your own house start a farm you can do all that but like what really drew me to this game is like the game mechanics of like in skyrim you level up different mechanics so so it, whatever you're using them yeah, by constantly using them. It's the same system here. It's just, so if I want to be a better swordsman, I, I just play with my sword. If I want to do, I didn't mean that by that way. But like, mm -hmm. if I want to play, if I want to <laughs> be like an axeman, if I want to do magic, I level that up by constantly using those. But I think one of the coolest things about this game is like, it is such a grounded experience. It's almost like everything in this world at first can kill you very easily, including like the rats and, yeah. and everything like that. Where it says like Skyrim, you you start off, you know, you, you're underpowered, but you're still kind of overpowered versus a lot of the the small rats and crabs and everything like that. Here, like you are the absolute bottom of the barrel and you kind of have to claw your way up. And the the game has realistic quests um, that make sense that feel like there it was the games were written. I like the I like the fact that it, as you like level up your different stats and different things like that, like people actually start to know your name and based on like the quest and that you do in this area the world kind of evolves as you kind of progress it's not like hey like i did a quest so that one person who i did the quest for knows me it's like hey you did a quest you become so well known hey can i be uh, like a guy will come up to you can i be your apprentice like hey can i go on your journey with you just because like um you did a quest that i dreamed of doing you know like mm -hmm. that i that accomplishment that i dreamed of doing so i'm like there's so many little nuances and the reason why i say it's souls like-esque as well is like when you die and you will die this game will kick your teeth down down uh -huh. your throat but like when you do die you lose, do you lose like your currency weapons sort of like something like that you lose all your gear you have to and to get your gear back you have to go back to the exact spot where you died at and then you like can a just like almost yeah, yeah very much so you lose all your um all your gear but like you still get to keep your currency and you still get to keep you like all the the spells and all the different things you've learned you just got to go back and retrieve that gear so i'm like if you had a legendary sword you got to go back and get that legendary sword and if mm -hmm. maybe you could pick up a different sword along the way to to like that 
to until you can get to that spot but like the another thing that's skyrim-esque about this game is it's a huge open world like Mm -hmm. it's not just uh, a roguelike to where you're playing in a small um maybe like four or five different areas yeah or biomes or anything like that and it's not like that this game is like there's a complete desert part that's just as big as pokemon violent and scarlet there's um complete like towns and cities and everything like that and there's there's civilization so i'm like it it reminds me so much of like an open world skyrim mixed with dark souls mixed with like that zelda kind of gameplay like retro Mm -hmm. 2d style zelda gameplay and i saw this game came out like mid-december last year to steam yeah yeah i wonder if they're planning on doing like a console release because that sounds cool it, like it, a, like it, that, I, i'm gonna be cool. honest yeah. i've never played anything quite like it especially in the mm-hmm. 2d space what were you saying paul oh i wasn't actually about well i was about to say something i didn't say anything yet <laughs> um did you ever play a game called kingdom come deliverance sebastian yeah yeah and that's it, what makes me think as far as the moment to moment in the grounded nature of it where it's like you upgrade by doing the things but you stuck like you were just a peasant dude that could get wrecked by anything but then all of a sudden you kind of blink after 10 hours and you're like wait i'm kind of competent now hang on a second um but then similarly it's like really grounded aspect of things and uh i, I went through what was it like two years ago i think alejandro that we uh i went back and replayed it on console yeah it was and, last uh, year because it was like six last bucks. year yeah it was six bucks okay in, cool in one of these summer uh, sales because that would have actually gone up to my like honorable mention because i don't think the console version was out at launch if i'm not it was pc and console okay, was up but this was 2018 that was yeah, like that, yeah, it was that, was, that was a while ago <laughs> but yeah um because i enjoyed the heck out of that so this is like not as much my aesthetic, but I I love the concept of how wide and expansive it is and how it just lets you kind of do your thing. And so that's really cool that um there are gems like that still in this day and age of people obsessed with AAA games that you can like really find something that people put some real effort into. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's like, you know, like everything kind of makes sense. If you like, if you chop wood with an ax, so to speak, mm, you not yeah. only get to like build, a, build like your wood chopping skills, because that is a skill on itself. You also build your skills with an ax. So if you like have axes that you want to use in battle, like that translates over. If you like, if you build up your skills with a sword and then you decide I want to use like I want to use like daggers or I want to use this sword for like skinning fish that that skill translates over to your like mundane task as well. So I'm like everything kind of makes sense and like don't get me wrong the game doesn't have like a main story that's going to hook you. So if you're a person who like needs a strong narrative this game ain't going to be for you. But if you want a game that is very much centric on you like starting off you know, starting off small working your way up and living like your best life according to the way you mm. want to live it this is a really good game in that Funny regard enough for paul that works because he gets a hard, he especially on where he is in his life and because he's always next to his wife like with headphones and putting them out and all that conversation he can't really get into like many story games like i'm thankful he was able to get into god of War ragnarok give him yeah. all the gameplay the gameplay heavy games and that's gonna sell him so a lot I, more this, so. <laughs> yeah, this game is like the perfect Steam Deck game. Like, I haven't played a game that defined the Steam Deck quite Ooh, like this for, before. Right now that you mentioned, I was like, God damn, like... I wish this could at least come to Switch, because it seems like something that could run it. Oh, yeah, so. uh, yeah, I think this is on Switch now. Is it? I think this is on Switch now. <laughs> like, Holy I've shit. been playing it on PC and Steam Deck, but I think this is now... 
on Switch or, or is coming to Switch very shortly. Archvale for Switch. Oh, no, no, no. It's Archvale, the one that's on yeah. Switch. Because mm-hmm. Is it similar? Because this one's Arcane Veil. That, that, that one is Archvale. Make so. sure you spell it in the specific way that it's Arcane Veil. Oh, yeah, Arcane Veil. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not... Pop- not not I'll, quite. Yeah, not yeah, quite. I'll, I'll look it up. But this seems like these are the kinds of games you want to handle on. Just to be here, put mm-hmm. it there. It's a... Yeah, that does some, that does you sort of put this in my radar. I hope I'm hoping for the next like indie showcases to eventually feature this because this just came out. It's kind of like when uh, the favorite game from our friend Zach Paul Omori was like a PC game that eventually made it to Xbox. So yeah, yeah. I think if people start playing this game, this game's gonna be huge. Like it, it has that potential. So, so now, Paul, before we talk about like your games, just yeah. like y'all I, I mean, can jump back into yours. Yeah, just a. Uh, Quick mention that for some reason I was like in a nostalgia kick and went back to the original Infamous and Infamous 2. I beat the the original Infamous in like two days because I just know how to quickly play that game. The visuals of that game are rough to go back to, but my God, I miss that. I miss that era where before now we got the glut of superhero games that we can, and now that we can know that people are gonna take the licenses and giving them the love, time, and care that they deserve, like we saw with Spider Man. Infamous was like, we have no superhero games. We're going to do one original one ourselves with like a character that's basically static shock. And that, 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 that game story still hits like these twi- it's like it's very dark and a nice inversion of like a very classic flash reverse flash story of like a villain trying to make a hero uh, suffer enough tragedy to become better to face what's coming ahead. And and I remember the twist uh, experiencing that back in 2009. I'm like, I mean, I wish this could be remastered. Like, it could be, like, painted modernly so people could experience it again. Right now, like, I will say this. Like, it's on PS Plus Premium. That's where I played it, like, all through streaming. It looks a little grimy on the stream, but it played really well. So, if you can... If you have a really good internet connection and you've never experienced that and are at least a little curious and you can put yourself in the mindset that, yeah, this looks kind of old, I think it's worth playing. And uh, I started playing the second game just to kind of, like, keep it flowing, but... I don't think I'm going to continue right now because it's kind of what I told you, Paul. I was like, that game requires you to do a little bit more side stuff to unlock the cool stuff compared to the first one. I'm like, I need to play another game right now. And uh, But before we talk about that one, uh, I told you, like, even though I may have unsold you a little bit, Paul, on Hi-Fi Rush based on where I was, yeah, I did beat it. And then I told you, I think Sebastian was right because even if Sebastian mentioned that that was like the best game of... 2023 so far and then when i beat it i was like yeah i think that is and that was what convinced you right i i didn't um i'm trying to remember because i knew i was gonna go back to it because i played it for like a little bit i really liked it we kind of chatted a little bit about it i yeah, think you specifically mentioned i think it was even in the show saying that you felt you had played everything it had oh by yeah that. that's right so you didn't think like you had that that motivation it's to funny because it. i said that and then immediately started doing more unique things in like uh-huh. the next mission it was just that i was at the end of like one of the um one of the security missions because it felt like the pacing for me slowed down a little bit right before you got corsica as like a party member um because it felt like there were like one chapter that just not as much happened as everything else in the whole rest of the game and i was just like oh okay it's kind of running out of steam for me i'm gonna go play for spoken for a second and then i just dropped the heck off of that game (laughs) um played a little bit more hogwarts legacy and then i was just like i think 
I knew I was going to go back to it eventually. And then you mentioned how you were like, oh, no, this is actually really good. Mm-hmm. And I went, all right, fine. I'll go back and see what's going on. And of course, like the next chapter was just like really cool. Everything up until the end. Um, but we that used- game ends real okay. strong. Like, it does. It, like it really like, especially because when I stopped playing, uh, when we started recording last week, was that fight with the singing with the singing robot that you start with mm-hmm. dresses that as the shark from like that Katy Perry Super Bowl. I didn't realize but, it was so blatant. Where they're yeah. just like left shark. Where's left, left shark? shark? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I feel like that that boss was a little too frustrating. Was, she wasn't getting too many hits, and then her shield would pop up, and then like she would start like jumping and all the lasers, and I would start getting desperate and not trying to hit like with rhythm. So that was that's what I was getting frustrated then. But every chapter from that moment on was like so epic. Like that moment where like like to me the moment that I was like, ooh, I'm really loving this. Was when everyone came together to fight that big robot. Oh yeah, the mm-hmm. big robot, that you control the little robot a little bit as you're trying to get obviously the for anybody spoilers for yes. Hi-Fi Rush's story, but <laughs> you're you're really there for the experience. Trust me. Yeah, and then when you're then then what happens when you're like trapped? Let's just put it that way, and the sw- and the swelling of, of that moment, like mixing all the music together and the hype and the vibe, the kind of what I was mentioning, Paul, the positive vibe that this game exudes like at every moment. Yeah. That then it's leads like to unapologetically the unapologetically positive. Yeah. And then the amazing final boss fight with that with, with that uh Virgil looking dude <laughs> from DMC. Where he got like the full armor. I was like, hey, this seems like Virgil from the Home Cry. <laughs> and and then I, I then noticing yeah. that there's even more to that game afterwards that you can like double back to do like all the challenges. Like, a whole, like, like subplot that says, all right, go back through and you can go unlock new things where the story because now things are active here. And I, I almost wish that they had given you the customization options before you finish the game because so many people I feel or fear are not going to like engage as much with mm-hmm. that. But if they'd found I, fe- I feel before. this is the Super Mario Odyssey problem. Yeah, basically. Because the a whole game unlocks after you beat Odyssey, but it's like after you beat it so it's like you have to like mentalize yourself like no there's more to do after you basically quote unquote roll credits and there was a lot to do in mario odyssey uh like more than back probably in the main game i'd say no, it, it, it is and all the creativity that was put like in the in the in basically the end game so but other than that it was like high fire rush is like i'd see it now when you were saying it sebastian that it was like the best game like so far that played this year and it still feels out obviously i mentioned like with the caveat that i really love playing metroid prime but that's like that's a remaster from an old game. Like if we're talking about 2023 releases, Hi-Fi Rush right now is like up there. Even though this game that we're gonna talk about, like in the little that I played, could be a contender. So, so here's what I'll say: is like I'm I don't think Hi-Fi Rush is gonna be the game of the year, mm-hmm. obviously. But I do think if there's an award for like most bang for your buck is probably going to be this game at the end of the year because this is a $30 game and this is a $30 game it's on mm-hmm. game pass it, as well but like the fact that it has so many pop culture references the fact that like the music is good the fact mm-hmm. that like this game was shadow dropped all the elements of this game like this game's got references to vice city if you look for them yeah. they, it's got references <laughs> to that. 
Yeah, to like anime, to Kanye West, to Katy Perry. It's got Scott Pilgrim's um, like shoes in the game. Yeah, the Scott it's Pilgrim got, thing, like I, I immediately because I love Scott Pilgrim so much. <laughs> yes, it's got the Evil Within mirror in this game. It's also got Twin Peaks, like the way they snap and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Like there's you, I've not seen so much love put into a game of this like magnitude to where like they stuff so much into like a smaller package and try to make the most out of that. Mm-hmm. And then it combines so many elements from games that we are, we're familiar with, like Kingdom Hearts, like Devil May Cry, like Guitar Hero. It combines so many elements of like games that we've played over the last 15 years. And mm-hmm. it feels like a love letter to like that generation of gamers. So, so I'm like, I don't necessarily think this is going to be game of the year, but I can't think of a game that's even coming out that's going to be on this level as far as like bang for your buck. Yeah, I'm going to try like so hard this year to always try to remember this game that it deserves its props, especially like uh, when we did uh, top 10 most anticipated games uh, earlier this year, we were talking about like uh, the importance of Starfield for like Xbox, for example, because Mm -hmm. we had been waiting for Xbox to like deliver something worthwhile. Out of nowhere, we got something worthwhile out of them, completely out of left field from them, that it's the shot in the arm they needed. Uh, something being like, yeah, we're known as our meat and potato shooter console, and we, we reused that at nauseum, but look the potential of all the acquisitions we've done, what we can get, just that's just here and also on PC. And and I feel for Xbox, like, in case Starfield, like, fails, let's hope it does, and I hope it hits, I feel like they already got, like, a big, a big case for what they can give to the market with Hi-Fi Rush. I think um, to further that point, like, I think if Starfield fails or whether it succeeds, uh, regardless, I think, like, at the end of the day, if Xbox is smart about this, Hi-Fi Rush and with Chai and and the gang here, like, they, like, Chai is going to resonate with so many, many more people, like, because he is actually a face, whereas in Starfield, it's a create-your-own-character adventure, like, it's hard to market those kind of games and hard to market that as being the face of, like, a franchise, so yeah. to speak. This feels like the start for, like, the, the next generation phases of Xbox that they've needed oh, yeah. since, like, since the Marcus Phoenix and Master Chief days. And I'm going to be honest, this got potential to out, like supersede both of those as being the new face of Xbox as far as IP goes, as far as recognition goes, because like the he has like Chai has a likable, like um, likable um, aesthetic. And like it's if they market this correct, like correctly, this could be the next franchise to where people will say like, oh, that is that's the Xbox mascot now. You know, like Master Chief, like doesn't have a personality. Let's be real about it. He has like they've tried. No, <laughs> they've they certainly tried. It, and even in Infinite, they like they tried to humanize him, but like it's hard to relate to someone when they have a helmet on, and we constantly can't get that one-on-one connection here. Chai can be their Crash Bandicoot. He can be their um, Mario, so to speak. Like there's so many good things that they can get out of this. So you know, I kudos to Xbox. Kudos to Tango GameWorks because like if Xbox place the cars right this is the beginning of something special yeah, piggybacking off of what you were saying for sure because the time moves ever forward and the world still spins and as we see it um all the kids nowadays aren't going to resonate with the things that we all resonated with when we were younger like as much as we want that to be the case people will know of it but their connection won't be the same way especially if the games stop being made all they'll be able to do is the only kids that will play it are the ones that 
love that enough to go back and find it rather than it just hey a new one shows up like you have your pokemon it had such onboarding points throughout several year gaps that several generations could find their own favorite their own first um and that's what the great series do every few years they have a new onboarding point you don't have to go back to the original stuff something like your halos and maybe Years of War has really tried to find that with God like Gears Five, God of War, exactly. I don't great. think Halo did a good job at it, though. No, to no, be that's honest, that's what I mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is they didn't um, because everything that you really want to do is if somebody plays a new version, you're like, no, 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 don't go play that. Go play the original, and everyone's like, I don't want to go play that. Like, then we shouldn't expect people to step that far back. Just the way you don't have to force people to watch certain classic movies or classic books or whatever, because there's a certain amount of time and you just can't resonate the same way that you could with kind that. Kind of like uh, what Disney wanted to do with Force Awakens, with like a new beginning for or less, Star Wars yeah. or something like that. Um, and like, it's going to try to resonate with a lot of people, but the reality is that it's just not going to hit the same way. And as to your point, Alejandro, with the Star Wars thing, kids are still like the sequels more than the prequels if you ask many of the young ones because they don't have any benchmark for what that was they don't really care they like these characters that they watched first when they were kids same point kind of coming full circle with this chai and the gang um if they play their cards right just like you said a sebastian this is that marketing opportunity where everyone's talking about it it's bright it's colorful it's kid friendly it's a devil may cry that a kid can play it's amazing it's it's exactly what you're that, it's completely for. different from what we usually do that's like that's what they need to push with xbox being like you have like boxed us in pun intended into being like the shooter box look what we can do i think that's what that's yeah. that should be like the big push they have to do with hi-fi rush and so so glad for that game but uh enough of that because sebastian we brought you in because uh howard's legacy is finally upon us and it's definitely taking the world by storm 1.2 million views over on twitch it's like it has sold 80% more than Elden Ring over in the UK already, like at launch. It's like everything, when I look at my friend list, it's all everyone's playing. And it's all like a lot of, we see online, it's like a lot of people are using it to grandstand to those that are playing it and calling them names. Ignoring all the garbage that's like surrounding this. In short, what do you think of Howard's Legacy? You start. I think this this is just another example of license. When you do a licensed game well, like there's nothing like it in the world. There's nothing like that recognition, and there's nothing like the fan base that will show up if you do a licensed game really well. So I I think this game is good. I don't think this game is great. I don't think it's perfect. I think this is a very good licensed game though. So uh, Paul, I think um, just like you said with the license side of it all, it's um. When you break it down on its merits alone, without the connection to the IP, I don't think it holds up. Um, that's I want to get that off to start in its own little box that we clarify that side of it. Uh, if you're really into Harry Potter, I think it was um, Jason Schreier that said it today, Alejandro, if you saw that post. It's like, this thing isn't anti-Semitic, it's just dull. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was like a really great through point, but then he kind of expanded from there. It's like, if you are connected to Harry Potter and that's like your thing and you've been waiting for that kind of a game, it's going to resonate with you a lot because of that fact. But on its own, it's bloated, it's convoluted, and it's just kind of basic on a story sense. Um, and then kind of 
feels like I'm giving it a disservice in some ways because at the same time, I'm one of those kids that does frankly enjoy the heck out of finally getting to live through this world that was created and I lived through as a kid. I'm loving the way the spells are worked. I love flying around on a broomstick. It just feels great. Um, but I also have to not just look at it from a nostalgia guy that just like, hey, look, this is a working Harry Potter game. Woohoo. Um, and look at it as, well, it, it's, if you really see it at the way it is, it's just kind of okay. So, How many hours have you put into it? 17 now. Okay. Um, I'm about yeah. there too. I'm, I think I'm hit the 20 hour mark. Alejandro's at four. And I, um, I do want to like say that I'm giving it such a disservice in some ways where like, if you like what you're seeing, you're probably going to enjoy it throughout that whole time. And I would still say it's, it's like, it's still beating for spoken for me um, by a good <laughs> margin. Frankly, I hate no. to say that. No, no, no. Um, That's a fact. It is a better game. I was about to say it's not hard to do. (laughs) Um, It's yeah. I I love the the voice acting performances are like really good across the board. Honestly, so I could just kind of sit there and listen to them talking like in British speak for me, and I'm like, it's fine, whatever. Um, To me, uh, how I see it, even though I play way less than you guys because I was stuck in other stuff. just like on that initial impression, like if you are a Harry Potter like fan, like a big fan, yeah, I feel this game is what I wanted Jedi Fallen Order to be at launch. Because let's not forget, Paul, like we absolutely love Jedi Fallen Order. Obviously, yep. it came at, at after a time that we had a, such a massive drought of even having like a good Star Wars game that a game that was objectively fine became great because of how well they used the license. And I feel like Hogwarts Legacy has that kind of vibe that by itself it's fine it's a good game by the way but on top of like how well it like portrays its license and like the amount of polish that i've noticed even though like heading into it i had heard that there were like technical issues and all of that from what i played this game feels pretty polished so far i don't know i haven't fallen from the world i haven't seen like animation jank and all that i feel like this is a the kind of the kind of like time love and care do you always want to see your licensed product to have and and so and to me that's tough because to me harry potter from like if we have to like rank all the like nerdy stuff that's out there star wars lord of the rings marvel dc game of thrones even throwing it out there to me harry potter is at the bottom like oh yeah like harry potter because i i hate having been born at a christian house where i had a preacher as a father during the time during the hysteria time of like engaging with that stuff is satanic and blah 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 which is so funny looking back because then we've seen all the movies since then and we realize it's not that bad after i was an adult so i didn't grow up at the right time like when i know that a lot of people grew up with this for the, for this to become like their favorite thing so i'm looking at this just like when I, i'm removing myself from like being like a super fan and say that what they've done is like if i was a fan like i know many are like that have such fans that then like when the author said a few things that may or may not have been like worth like the ire of many you can uh, reasonable minds can differ you can go read what the things that she said and all that is like they feel fired because of their passion towards this world and this ip if i was that this would be the dream game it's like this is the kind of like love and care i want from like licensed games that the only the only ones that i can say is comparable is spider-man and with that one you can cheat a little bit because spider-man had the exclusive like focus of like a first party resources this was a multi-platform game 
that can stand toe to toe with the with the love the, with the love and care that they put into this. They've been working in this game from what I've read for like almost seven eight years. I think you can see it on the screen. Uh, exploring Hogwarts, like just the tiny details like that. I, I was I saw it in the TikTok that I sent you, Paul. That and I I I went to it myself. Just getting by the knights, the knights armor that then one just like oh, kicks, yeah. the, kicks the crap out of it. It was like yeah. such amazing tiny detail. Like yeah. uh, I've been seeing videos because I I pick Hufflepuff because of my decisions. So you're Hufflepuff too, right, Sebastian? Oh yeah, yeah. So, always down with Hufflepuff. Yeah. So this. I'm kind of glad because I heard that the Hufflepuff has an amazing Azkaban quest that's exclusive to them. Awesome. It's it's decent. It's yeah. uh, it, it's overblown, but it is that's very decent. Yeah, compared to like what other ones could have, so I was like, okay, that's good that I picked that. <laughs> so I don't have to like mm-hmm. replay the game. Just like from what I remember, when I finally watched all those movies, like for the first time back in like 2016, in the lead up, in the lead up to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, uh, I was like, man, it's like if only all the licensed games like could feel like this, like because obviously we got something like Shadow of Mordor. That's a Lord of the Rings games, but it's not at all in the spirit of the Lord of the Rings. It's like this weird alternate fantasy of what it actually is, and even in tone and vibe, even though it's still a pretty good game by itself. Uh, I'm hoping Jedi Survivor, like from what I've seen, if you're looking at the IGN first, that they're doing like they're doing a preview of Jedi Survivor that it feels like, yes, Cal still runs like he has a stick up the butt. Or something like that. He wants. To, he definitely wants to go to the bathroom. I don't know if you've seen the running animation. He uh, does like hunchback of, 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 mm-hmm. of, of Survivor, but everything else that I'm seeing of that game, I'm like, oh, they're finally EA gave respawn the, the time and money. They allowed them to delay the game slightly so they can get like a real polished product. So it's not like Jedi Fallen Order that had a lot of good things, and then you get T-post animals pop in, all the frame rate jank, uh, weird looking Wookies that look like what, what, what do you say? You look like Paul. Remember we're talking about the Wookies. Oh shoot! Um, I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't remember. You said something that was real funny about like those Wookies. <laughs> oh man, like I, I remember it, and I I could not tell you what it was, but I can see the image, and I remember we were talking about it, and it was just they look terrible, frankly. Yeah, they they, uh, they look like a mopping floor, like something you would yeah. mop the floor with. Because if there there was a lot of that game that clearly felt cheap in a way that when I look at Howard's Legacy, it doesn't feel cheap, and I feel that really elevates the package. If you're a real big Harry Potter fan, which I wish I was. I wish I could go back to, to a time where I could actually watch these movies as they came out. I only saw Goblet of Fire when it launched and then uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2 and, never, and like everything in between. I knew things, but never watched them. So, Sebastian, you grew up with Harry Potter, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes, for sir. sure. So, I, I, not only did I grow up, I mean, I could probably get a, a hundred, like, hundred question quiz right now and probably at least get 99 of those <laughs> i'm like i'm a pretty bad, massive harry potter fan like i even read fan fiction every once in a while exactly. like so, i re i reread the books every year yeah exactly so this is for exactly for you and i in a way in a way yeah in a way it is i will say i i you you were talking about jedi um you know like in in the sense of the way that game plays and the sequel is probably going to play like I still think that's a better licensed franchise than this game. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to be honest here. Like this, even though they, they did a lot of things right, it almost feels like this game is still like, while it's extremely polished, it mm-hmm. feels half-baked, if that makes sense. Because like, really? even for, oh yeah, I mean like, um, like you're four hours in and mm-hmm. you're also like not the hugest Harry Potter fan, but like if you look at the list of spells as you play the game, like as you get like deep into it, it's not like, it's not like you're getting a 
wealth of spells here. As a matter of fact, like a lot of key spells that were like introduced into the world, like in, into Harry Potter's world are missing. You know, like mm. a lot of those are missing. Like a lot of the, the you mentioned Azkaban, but a mm. lot of like the enemies that you associate with Harry Potter are the missing. And, and all that, they're not here in the game. I mean, you know, like I, centaur, I don't want to. But... There's centaur, but you don't fight them. No, you don't. No, you don't fight the centaurs. Like there are bandits, and like it's almost like you remember how like Fable had uh, like one of the criticisms of Fable was like, uh, especially early on, was like it feels like there was very few enemy varieties. This yeah, game, I've heard about this one. That this game doesn't have. It also has the God of War 2018 problem. With the enemy, the enemy variety, that game, yeah, that game also that's a good example, it. honestly, because um, it does spread them out a little bit after a while, but then there is a certain point, especially once you've reached being allowed to just traverse the open world, that you've pretty much seen every variation of any enemy that you're going to see, and usually they're just going to send you like two or three of all of them at you in every encounter, mm -hmm. and for the most part, that's like well now you're just going to get slightly more efficient with your own combat but like not to segue into that but my goodness is it frustrating especially once you have all your cool spells that you can't use hardly any of them uh unless you just switch between them on the fly in a very i don't know convoluted way yeah um and it's just I, it's all it's clumsy that's the word uh yeah. because i can never like get my muscle memory right because you're always iterating on like maybe if i put this one over here and then my purple spells over here maybe that'll make it easier to synergize in reality it's just you're going through and just flinging everything at every enemy and it just kind of feels uh a little messy yeah, and, and and that's kind of what I mean by half-baked is because, yeah. like, the spell usage is, like, eh, it, it's, like, when you start off early on in the game, like, it's really good because you'll have so few spells to actually work with. But once you start getting... The few getting, they like, have, have felt real good to you. They, uh, yeah, they It starts they feel off good. feeling great, and then as you get more and more of them, there's slight variations on what they're supposed to do. Like, for instance, the difference between Expelliarmus and Confringo kind of feel like the same spell after a while. Um, Very much so. Because, like, yeah, Expelliarmus, it's the idea that you can disarm somebody and then there's an ability you can, like, grab what they dropped and throw it out. And that was really cool. I like that. Um, but they're both, like, just simple attack spell animations. Um, and then there's just kind of the idea that uh, it just it's something that feels like it should be better than it really is like imagine if you will um i know i'm gonna i feel like i'm gonna be a broken record on this you institute the styles of devil may cry on the d button and that switches the types of spells you do so all you have to do is just up down left right and then you're just and going to town too because in r2 you do just everything Right. Um, so it's either you almost need to consolidate more or give a more efficient way of switching between so many spells. Um, and even I know somebody says like, oh, look at the comparison between the spells of Hogwarts Legacy and Elden Ring for like 28, 26 spells versus like 140. But Elden Ring, you kind of only work with five at a time at the mm -hmm. max mm -hmm. yeah and you just and you, have to more to, and you have to spec to them if you want to use other ones you have to like exactly. completely like build up arcane and all of those stuff 
No, but I mean, five is still more than you're able to use in Hogwarts Legacy at one given time. That's that's a good point. But um, it's faster to switch between the four to another four to another Mm -hmm. four. But then I think that's the problem that gets me is it's fine when it's that radial menu. But when you have to switch further beyond that and you're not entirely sure where each one might be, can kind of get a little convoluted on where that works. Plus adding the utility spells that also need to be added to hotkey it feels like you know when you play an mmo uh-huh. and you have to like switch to between four to six different radial menus for all your yeah, skills I remember that from DC it just gets Online. <laughs> way too much after a while i think that's the problem that hits me because that just doesn't feel good after a while and it hurts because in the moment to moment i find that i find i enjoy myself more when i work with just those four spells and don't even try to use more than that. Like I pick one at a time and then I just kind of work with that um, and then use basic spells and dodges in between rather than try to switch between all. And then if you eventually get about a cadaver, you basically like destroy everything in the game. No, I mean, but you know, like not to spoil anything, but like it gets worse because like the spells that you're getting are almost their first year spells, second year spells. I'm like, you like, in Harry Potter, in the books and in the movies, like you've seen like how they actually advance into magic. Like um, this game gives you the illusion that you're a fifth year, but like you spend the whole time learning first, second, and maybe third year spells. Yeah, that's, you- a, that's such a strange decision that they start you as a fifth year student, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, that that's I really strange. It. Um, because they probably wanted to age up your main character for the really messed up crap that goes down in the series. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Where they can kind of get away with a little bit of it, but it's like if you have a 10-year-old that's like facing off in constant duels against uh, dark arts magicians and you're like, or wizards and witches, you're like, I don't know if I believe yeah. this 10-year-old is doing Yeah, it makes sense, this. especially like if you look at it from like the Harry Potter perspective from like books slash movies that things got real in Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix. Oh, so, yeah. So, and yeah. they ramp up. I mean, look at, and you mentioned Order of the Phoenix. Look at what Dumbledore and Voldemort were able to do to each other. Yeah. And, and like, five, yeah. They, that was and, um, stuff. they were doing some wicked stuff. But even like, I mean, the, imagine they're like kings on the chessboard, so to speak. Right. Like, they're actually like the baddest of bad. But like, when you look at everyone else that was in like the Order of the Phoenix battle, like Sirius Black, Bellatrix Lestrange, like um, Lucius Malfoy, I'm like, they were throwing heavy hitter spells at, at like other people. And like, here the here we we only know like the basic spells from the first first through three third years and then they're missing some key spells that like are shown off in the harry potter lore like the bat bogey hex like that's a guinea weasley spell where like it creates those yeah. bats um bat boogers off of the side of the head that would have been a cool game like one to introduce um hermione like uses avius which is like where she summons birds and like they attack people that is a spell made for a video game yeah. like uh, uh and like, it's not you, in the game no, no, not at Even, all. Uh, something reducto is used against you and you're not able to use it against anybody else at all, which that was like the dis- disintegration spell that Jenny used in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. And um, it was a pretty constant one used after that too. Oh yeah, um, Aguamente. I mean, like the way, like just the fact that you could summon water. I'm like, think about the cool like combos you could have used at, with like Aguamente and different things like that. Um, like... 
uh, here's another one that I think would have really been cool. Like the whole art of transfiguration. They only introduce transfiguration so that you can like make and kind of like make and kind of um, rearrange different things in your in one area. And that's like the room of requirements. Outside of that, you do not use transfiguration despite like. Dude. There's a combat spell, isn't it? There's a transfiguration spell. You can transform people into items. That's it. Um, that that's yeah, it. There's but... one spell. Uh, that's the same yellow mm -hmm. type. That was the one from that video that I showed you, right? Apologies. Someone using a different magic that transforms someone like a, a big spider. Remember I that think... one? Yeah. Oh no, that one was. Uh, that's your ancient magic. That's going to be yeah. something completely different. So the lightning, uh, the thing where you shrink the spider and step on it, all that. It's the same spell actually on a rotator of what happens whenever it goes. That's like your ultra move with the R one L one. So it has an option of either doing the lightning, doing the thing if you're fighting spider specifically. Um, you can pick somebody up and slam against the ground, or it's like a default, like I shoot this and then they just freaking explode. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah, that's an ultimate like move. Rotator. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an ultimate move. Do the cool things like calling lightning mm -hmm. whenever you want. It's just like hit the button. Is it going to be the cool thing or is it going to be something else? Um, so that's kind of a shame is in videos i was like oh shoot i can't wait to learn that spell that looks really awesome and it's mm -hmm. like that's you're not gonna do that um so no, but why yeah. couldn't you as i we saw it in videos that's the thing that the no, that's what i mean like you can do it it's just it's, it's an ultimate to, move it's an mm -hmm. ultimate move that's on a random rotator mm -hmm. of what happens okay. when you use it you're so, not in control of like when you're actually able to mute, mute like use those kind of spells and i think that's like uh, paul and i's point is like the the way this game feels lacking is a sense that like sure you have one transfiguration spell but like the rest of them you you only can use and it basically changing aesthetics and then like um that's like a complete art to where like moody uh mad eye moody in the movies and the game transformed draco malfoy into a ferret like right i'm like yeah I'm like you and like, you know, um, McGonagall, she like she is a master at doing those kind of things. And so is Dumbledore because he was a he was a teacher of transfiguration. I'm like, imagine if they, you could transform yourself into like an animal. That, and fight. I, I, I kind of get where the criticism goes <laughs> because it's like it's like uh, when you're playing like something like Marvel's Avengers and you have like your alt moves that were in the L1 yeah. or one and all that. It feels like a lot of those magics are now like in in, in similar kind of like cooldowns instead of something Bruh, that's constantly right? used. You, I mean, you just mentioned it, Paul, but like you can't even transform into an Andamongus in this game. I'm like, that is like one of the things that like Sirius Black and um, all the Marauders learned while they were still in school. And I'm like, while they were still in school, and I get it, that's that's sort of a rare thing. But if this is an RPG and this is a video game, at least let us uh, like at least let you level up to try to like become a, even like spells like, that let you do it. And that's why like McGonagall could do it is mm -hmm. there is like magic can do literally anything almost but that's i think to make it full circle is that's the point of it being so half-baked where it's like yeah it looks like you can do a lot the reality of it is you're just kind of like you can move people forward or backward you can stop them you can then just hit them with various colors until the battle's over and you can make it as cool as you want similarly to most hack and slash games and i'm gonna definitely say like it's still pretty fun to sit there and do mm -hmm. that a few times like over and over again especially like the um 
the fighting arenas, like those are super fun where you just get surrounded by enemies and you're just freaking dueling, throwing things around, deflecting things deflecting, and shooting or like, if, like if it's like it's Batman, really Arkham, fun to watch. Batman Arkham games almost. <laughs> no, um, Batman it, Arkham does yeah. it better though. Uh, you oh, know, yes. like Oh yeah, obviously, but it's kind of like that idea of the first yeah. triangle at a specific moment for to, to get the kind of counter in a, in a way yeah. uh, and in some areas especially when you have augments to your spells through the talents window excuse me oh my gosh <laughs> that coke came back with a vengeance <laughs> <laughs> um yeah especially whenever you unlock uh the different talents it gives you a lot of variety and how your spells are augmented and it changes how things work you get passive like firewalls around you you get uh extra gathering power to pull multiple enemies to you you get more things that shoot off from an enemy you hit into other enemies and that's kind of fun but at the same time it's like it's just kind of a pain in the butt and then if we wanted to separate out from combat into quality of life in general you have the way that you level up in challenges being uh. things you have to actively go into and accept to get the rewards for them Terrible. has so many people getting so frustrated because they don't clearly explain that concept to you except maybe once and say yeah make sure you go check the the challenges tab and you can go do uh x y and z after you find this item or whatever and so many people forget that is even like an option i almost forgot it was an option for the longest time um the way you get um the the freaking loot pool it's a looter shooter concept with the Ugh. green blue purple orange oh i love that it's i know and it's it's so frustrating because they it's give tedious. you an entire upgrade concept and like ability in the room of requirements to upgrade your stuff and then you're just going to get something better the second you go out and find a chest and it's like what's the point of all this like upgrading and do this do that you have to sell things you only have 20 inventory slots that you have to deal with and that part doesn't even really bother me all that much except for the fact that if you try to open a chest with full inventory it deletes the item you opened it oh, doesn't yeah, just for sure really yes yeah sometimes I've been able to like, oh shoot, that like I had full inventory. Let me delete something and open it back up. And that happened once that I was allowed to open the chest a second time. But every other time, you just can't open your chest anymore. I restarted checkpoints just yeah. because like I, you know, like I had my filled up inventory slot and then I go into my like items that thing. That would drive me up a wall because I, I love like always looting a lot. So yeah. yeah. And I see which one's like which gear is like the lowest value gear and I just destroy it on the spot and then then I'll go pick up uh, a couple of items if I now because now I know like how many items I have like uh, that's in that chest available that I can pick up but like it is terrible it deletes it on the spot um, no Quidditch in this game by the way but you're yeah. able to go on the Quidditch field and do trials. I'm like, yeah, I, I saw videos of everyone going through oh. like, I don't know which one of the early ones was that they go, go through like the obstacle course in the movies like you can actually mm -hmm. go through that in the game. It's uh, it's all right. Honestly, sometimes it's really frustrating because Janky. you have to control your verticality with the right stick and your horizontal side with the left. And so it just kind of leads you kind of going in these weird like it's great in general. But when you're trying to fine tune it to get exactly where you need to go, it, it kind of gets frustrating after a minute. Um, 84 Metacritic people. <laughs> I, I'm a, and I, I, you know what the crazy like thing I'm, is? 
disrespecting the heck out of it for <laughs> some nitpicks, but reality is, is I feel like I need to be harsher on it for those reasons because so many people are championing it um, to be like, all right, guys, how much of this is nostalgia and how much is it not really well put together in some ways? Um, I mean, let's be honest here. If this was like in just a, a generic game, didn't have uh, any ties to Harry Potter, this would be a, a four to five out of 10. Basically, it'd be yeah. a four or five out of 10. And like, it would have been blown by. I'm um, like, it would have been given. Like, the game Dead um, Wanted just came out. Like, and it, yeah. One yeah, one he did. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know why why I reversed it, but like, yeah, that <laughs> it absolutely got drugged out into the street and beaten, absolutely beaten. And yeah. Hog and Hogwarts Legacy would have gotten that same treatment if it didn't have yeah. the Hogwarts IP on it. But like, I like this game. I like it. I don't think it's perfect, and I also feel like I feel like this game's half baked. Like, I feel like this this game feels like um basically like the the start of like the start of what this game could have been like what this series could be like if they announced like a a sequel to this game or announced another Which game i can imagine they would considering how much it's selling oh it's going to yeah i mean it's going to they should do nothing else in the future but harry potter and at this point compare like based on sales but like it, this should be a stepping stone into what we consider like the arkham asylums of harry potter like this feels like it's just like the the gateway into in, what we actually really want at a Harry Potter game. This doesn't feel like it's the one though. Yeah, it's so funny because obviously I play way less than you guys have. You have guys have unlocked way more. I feel a little bit more impressed by this game that you, you guys see, and I wonder if that's because I'm not a big Harry Potter fan. I just, and I see it from the these are the guys that used to make Disney Infinity and the Cars games and a bunch of other stuff before this and. Don't this, knock that Cars game on PS2 though. That was that was fun. Yeah, the same people. So, yeah, yeah. so that, and that's the thing. Like, and those games were good for what they were because in in that in that license like lower tier stuff, and then seeing them push above their weight with this one. I am, you know, I'm an indie guy, so yes. I'm always a champion of like I love to see um someone punch above their weight. You know that, but oh, like. Yes. I, I feel like um, this has, you know, the open world kind of games where like the game starts off extremely linear. It's a very uh, tight experience. And then, and then when it opens up, it mm -hmm. kind of like loses itself as it gets like open, more open. Mm -hmm. This is that prime this example. Is that awesome. yeah. yeah. Like where you're starting off, I think the game is magnificent. Like the way you um, start off all the way into. Yeah, I haven't get even gotten out of Hogwarts, just to give an idea. That's I haven't right. even I haven't explored the world, I haven't gone to like, different areas. Hogwarts itself just feels magical. The little details you see inside of that of that castle. Hogwarts oh yeah, that's easily the best part of the entire game. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that that part that lead up to where like you're in the forest and then you're like and the and Professor Fig is like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we're here. And then you start to hear the music, just that that music, and then it starts to pan out and it shows that and you're at not Hogwarts. Being, and me not being the huge, oh. hugest fan, but knowing the movies and seeing that, I was like, oh, they nailed mm -hmm. it. It's like. They nail it how I like people like respecting like source material to be nailed in a game. And, and yeah. that's been like, that's been core, more of my impression instead of uh, all the comments that I'm hearing that I'm pretty sure I'm going to hear now and feel it now going, going into it. Um, and just having the reference that what you have early on is like, oh, I like how it feels in the in the trigger. I feel it's like snappy, especially because Forspoken could be a little janky. In, mm -hmm. in, in, in the way that you you move that different magic, especially coming from that to this, like I, I feel that. I feel the premiumness of this game more than I did for Spoken in a way. So. Oh, I understand that. Yeah, so, I, 
that first three to four hours is probably the best three to four hours that I've felt in any video game this this year. Like it feels really good. It's tight. That story has intrigue. There's mystery there as far as like that first three to five hours when it opens up you sort of like you lose a little bit of that luster in the main story as well like that main kind of story and, and it's because that main story as like the more you learn about it the less strong it becomes like it doesn't whereas hi-fi rush you feel like the game starts off at a breakneck pace it's like and it keeps it, it with a few uh, dips yeah with a few dips there mm-hmm. and it has like a you know what that story is and they like commit to actually telling it here they like the story didn't quite match all the world around it it's almost that skyrim effect to where like hey you're the chosen one but let me go off and do like 50 different things that don't really matter to like the being the chosen one and then you come back and you come back at your own and and that's always a big problem with open worlds is like it's so it's hard to maintain like a narrative momentum when you're given all these different options to do different stuff that don't really matter to the main stuff unless it's like intentionally made to matter kind of like why i like the being able to do side quests in god of war and god of war ragnarok everything feels like everything fits together well like thematically and story-wise if you if you're able to do that even if you ignore them if you ignore them you're missing a big part um for that kind of example is many of the side quests are just an intro to a -a collect-a-thon Oh yeah, it is. It's like, hey, these are They're this fetch quest little team. thing. Yeah, it's. Yeah. But then it's like, hey, keep an eye out for fifty more of these, and then it's like, oh, it's yeah, doesn't it. this have like a thousand collectibles from our it's, from what I I'm heard? sure it's a lot yeah. because I there's the the keys, there's the the demiguises, mm-hmm. um, there's the um, the pages that you have to collect. There's and. The fact that progression is tied to like do X of this item and then you're like, oh, you've leveled up now or oh, you've gotten your inventory, you've gotten your ancient magic cooldown faster, whatever it is. But it's like you have to do so many of those, even down to the Merlin trials. Once you go out to just I guess because that's not in Hogwarts, Alondro, um, there's like these circular rock formations you have to throw a consumable item onto it and then you have to do one of like two or three different things to complete the trial and then if you do a certain amount of those that's how you boost your inventory but it's not like every time you get an inventory slot like doing the Korok seeds for breath of the wild for instance but it's like you have to get five six ten of them and then you get that set of slots available to you immediately it's not like you have to really put in effort and then you get all of that at once after a certain amount of time doing it so you just have to spend like 20 30 minutes going from one merlin trial to the next if that's what you want to do to actually get a benefit uh out of it so it's um oh man i feel like we woke up and we chose violent sebastian for this no, it's, it's funny because like i'm enjoying the heck out of it and i want to go back and play it later on today um but then it's like it almost has to be said out of that as a disclaimer of like, all right, listen, it actually like without the Harry Potter side of it, this would suck. But being that we both love it so much, we're just selling out super hard because this is exactly what we've been looking for for several decades. Yeah. Um, but now I think you put into perspective the perspective of the of Travis Northup, the reviewer over at IGN. He was very critical in a lot of that text and he still loved the game. Yeah, there can be that nuance. You can tear something up, but you can still love something that 
you can even know the things that can be better. So still I think, think I would have given it a nine out of ten, but no, no, this is the most <laughs> seven out of ten game uh, like you can possibly play. That fe- I remember we said that for first spoken too, and there's like maybe uh, now now for spoken further. Yeah, yeah because to spoke- me, for spoken was a seven. This it is was, more. This is definitely an eight for me. Just so far, but. With I think at this point I would bump for spoken down to like a five and this would be a six. I'm I can I can completely get on board on that because like no. I I do feel like it does a lot of things better than Forspoken in, in the dialogue, the nuance, um like it, it fits the world better versus yeah. like Forspoken's world. The but what way I way more alive, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like what I do think like they both kind of like fault on is like the way that open world kind of works in, in like the systems that they use. I don't feel like neither one of those are as fleshed out as like you would want the a fantasy open world game to be like, I w- I would still pick like Dragon Age Inquisition right now as being a better fantasy game than both of these IPs. And I don't know I, if I would go with that one. Uh, I love Dragon Age though, but I, I, I'm a huge true. Dragon Age guy. But. I um, give you perspective. My favorite Dragon Age is two still. And now that's oh, the one whoa, that a lot of people dude. really crap on. I know, I know. Um, part of that is because I didn't go back to Origins until way later. Or so, just still yeah, hold it. It's, it's, well. it's not going to work that way. <laughs> I really liked Inquisition at first, and then it just, same thing, where like, there was so much to do and so many places to go that I just, adding that to like the combat that was like an MMO to it, Mm -hmm. just like, I think I lost steam on it. Characters were great, I'll give it that. Um, Story was really interesting. Now, anyway, to we're not talking about Dragon Age today. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, I see what you mean, where it's like, that is like a real, fantasy world Mm -hmm. that's like a lot more seamless despite the fact that it has distinct boundaries on the areas you go to it's like that's like a solid zone to find things in you explore you adventure you have fun with it and this is like i don't know it just doesn't really feel the same way in some ways uh after a while it's like that meal that you eat at a buffet and you're like this is delicious then you get four more plates of it and you're like i think i'm good now yeah you know what i describe this as is like fast food versus eating at a steakhouse like this feels like fast food to where like if you get it it'll fill you up you're happy to eat it it's like but the more you eat it the lesser it seems and like it also feels like it is just a a comfort meal to where like i'm a i like me and my wife we go to like the same fast food place probably on a weekly basis and like we know what we like we it feels good to eat it's like quick and it gets me to it gets that feeling out so to speak it's like but going and enjoying something like a god of war ragnarok feels like eating at a nice steakhouse but like but one criticism I think we haven't even broached is like this game feels like it was made to have a morality system that it just does not have. And they eliminated it. <laughs> yeah, that they t- got. Mm, that, that's a whole. It feels entire. like games are just moving away from morality. It's, it's so funny because Infamous was all about the. It was binary, but it had a morality system. You're good and evil, and now it feels like we barely get any games that. I feel give that. I feel like I could play the devil's advocate if needed on this the concept because by when you have like a binary for instance mm-hmm. uh good and evil whatever like fable style almost you miss out on those ideas where like mass effect here's a good example so you would say probably mass effect's morality system is pretty good overall you'd say but one imagine, two three not andromeda 
Yeah, no, no, no. We're not going to talk about Andromeda. That doesn't exist for my mind. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, think of like Mass Effect 2, for instance. If you don't have like a 100% Paragon rating, you risk losing NPCs at the end mm-hmm. of the mission why is you doing good things tied to the survivability of your people it's like you it's a good concept in theory but if you don't want to just always answer the good like response to things if you want to it makes it arbitrary stuff yeah but because like sometimes you feel like you want to have some gray area in there and feel like that's a true genuine storyline but when you're forced to do the good option to get a valid ending that's going to be the one that's canon then it almost like it makes everything cheaper like you don't want to be the renegade anymore because you want to be able to use these npcs in the next game but you have to compromise your interesting story that you want to make yourself maybe you want to punch that one really mean dude at the citadel in the face maybe you want to shoot the other guy in the knee that one time but you're not feeling like you're allowed to really go that route because you're i I feel the uh, why we're not no longer see morality systems that can like completely change areas of a game is because like developers like soccer punch and even bioware have mentioned that they put so much effort into the evil side and they only see like a very tiny percentage of people ever doing it and you see massive amount of people choosing the good side because inherently humans are going to be good like our our, our nature will take us the good side so that's why many people don't want to bother with doing a morality system because then it requires you to do another side that has to be as fully featured as another side and then you risk knowing that you're going to have a lot of gamers that are just not going to engage in that other side. So, And now yeah. that game development has become way harder and takes longer. They have to like make those hard cuts. It just takes so, more resources. And which sucks have- because I miss having like that variety. At least if there's something like we're playing Infamous, told me it was like, man, it was cool knowing that there was another kind of side of the game that I knew was there, that I, that I had like a reason to play it again. Yeah. And so- I feel so let me let me um uh push back just a wee bit on the Let's this game that. having the morality system it's because like the ip itself has a morality system i'm like yeah. you can't you, like you can read the books you can watch the movies and if you use any of the unforgivable cor- like courses it's a one-way trip to azkaban like right. there's no great and, that's yeah, what they say <laughs> they it's a one-way trip to azkaban there is no great area there but i'm like you can i i agree with you paul like you can have have and you know like you can have nuance um nuance missions and nuance systems to where like there are there should be like a great option there should be like a middle of the road there to where like because we are humans we do act differently depending on how like the situation changes us but like this game is so to speak like everything about it like hogwarts itself is a morality system they have a, they have an honor code system that deals with house points you do something bad you get house points you do something good those house points get taken away by the way, like, is, is it true that there are 95 Merlin trials? Yeah, Probably. it's a That's lot like of them. the most common thing to do out there that oh. you find. They're like immediately shown on the map and everything. It's, it's like you just know where to go find them. Yeah, because I just saw Paul Tassi from Forbes tweet. I will say I don't think you need 95 anything in your open world map. <laughs> so no. And, and people t- and responded, Merlin trials. 
Yeah, yeah. It, and you know, like I, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer on like the whole morality system. It's just like the Hogwarts itself. You don't name a game Hogwarts Legacy, and like you have to like and don't adhere to the rules of Hogwarts. And the crazy thing is, like they have missions to where like they stay in those missions. Hey, like you did something bad, you lose house points. But if you go look at your house, like glass. The, it, it stays the same it's yeah. unaffected at all like it's wasted dialogue it's wasted like nuance you added lore there but you didn't adhere to the rules of that lore so Which, i'm like i might be mistaken but didn't like the order of phoenix or half-blood prince actually have a house point system that you could like yeah affect? i believe so yeah i, I think so. i remember that mm -hmm. like depending on how you answered things or did things it could like help you win the house cup at the end of the year but yeah um yeah, it's like to your point with that, um, there was something I was going to say along those lines. Yeah, um, you could have Moody, for instance. Mm -hmm. That's a good example of like a gray wizard, even though in Goblet of Fire, it was, you know, body snatching, whatever. But that was like the morality of Moody even before all that happened. Um, he was allowed to use certain curses in the right context. So like, I feel like if they added that extra level of like, all right, listen, we're really in some dire straits like you might need to use that really bad curse like you know i don't know what's the deal and then like after at the end um uh, uh deathly hallows they mentioned that they were forced to use the cruciatus curse on each other mm -hmm. um to like learn how to defend against the dark arts and so like there's clearly gray area allowed in the world that you could like push for that almost oh, yeah. and like figure out some areas they just they decided to not do it at all um even like I'm glad they didn't do a simple, okay, you're good or you're evil because the dark arts spells are kind of dope, honestly. But, they are. Uh, like for gameplay wise. But then at the same time, it's like, if they had done that, I would have liked that they really like introduce a new concept of like, well, maybe you just need to do what needs to be done. And honestly, maybe Avada Kedavra is like a little more humane than the weird ancient magic curse that just rips people in half and stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, you do some really messed up stuff to NPCs in this game in the combat, and like, why is that worse? You maybe like clarify why Avada Kedavra is still worse, or don't give me that as like a oh, it's so evil. Like, okay, buddy, calm down. Uh, I'm gonna be real with you. I'm like, you could have solved all this if you had better writing in your game. Like, if they said like, hey, like you're a like hey we um we're giving you a aura's license where you have license yeah, to go. use you you have license to use any curse you have as long as because you're like the chosen one quote unquote and yeah. we need you to get to the bottom of this mystery and also your life is in danger hey we're giving you this license you use any spell at your disposal like you, can, you need to defend yourself because you got some really messed up people coming after you like you're a child but you're also going to die if we don't allow you the authority to do this thing almost Boom. it's like that would be really cool. You have a freaking Aura's license for a 15-year-old going around solving mysteries and, like, getting to the bottom of all this. The fact that the... What's the name of the dude that picks you up? It starts with a P. Um, uh, we, we said it earlier. The dude Professor that, like, Fig. Yeah, yeah, Fig. That's what I'm... Uh -huh. Why did I say P? Anyway, like, he does nothing the whole time. He just kind of comes to you with problems, and you're just like, but what about this? I could solve this problem myself. And then you just go off and do the thing yourself, and Fig is just left behind half the time. Useless. Um, it's Absolutely like, useless. He gets you into this, and, like, you theoretically have no idea what magic was before your 15th birthday when you get this owl and yet you know more about this whole world than this professor it's like 
clearly like if you just reframe the whole story like maybe you're a prodigy student this whole time you get a couple of spells to start off and then they just ramp it up from there like it explains the whole idea of like you don't have to make this whole new thing of it's a new fifth year student coming and you just mm-hmm. it's a whole different setup they've just a little bit more focus on that writing side of it um instead of what they ended up doing but yeah alondra you got something yeah just hearing everything about that i'm like am i at an advantage for not really caring about harry potter to be able to like really enjoy this because oh for sure for sure you are absolutely in a better position yeah because i'm like god i mean the the crazy thing about it is it's like sorry i'll I'll let you go in a second paul but like the crazy thing about it is it's like you have an aura on your staff like a former or like professor sharp is yep. like your potions professor. He is a licensed or I'm like, you could have had him be the professor fig of all this to where like he is the one who guides you and like yep. he is the one who's teaching you advanced spells to defend your spells. Like, <laughs> right. Well, I'm, oh I'm like, gosh. the game feels like it's poorly written in the sense that where like it felt like someone who's not a Harry Potter fan wrote the, a lot of this game to where like they didn't think about like some of the complexities of how the world works versus like, this game feels like it was written and like we need to get to point A to point B because this is the story we want to tell versus like, hey, does that story fit into the lore? Like God of War Ragnarok, like every side story, every story fit into the lore that is like that Norse mythology, that version of Norse mythology, at least. This game feels like a game that has Harry Potter aesthetics, like a lot of like Harry Potter, like um, lore into it. But like the lore, like the rules that were set in place in this world are like loosely adhered to. Yeah. And especially introducing something like ancient magic, which doesn't exist in the world or the lore at all. Just kind of like, yeah, you can do this special thing. Okay, have fun. Um, And it's just it doesn't really all make all that much sense in the end and it's it's really that situation where a lot of people like for the star wars days where you're like you can't make this media thing that doesn't adhere with this lore detail and the problem is that star wars is kind of really well made so you can kind of just do stuff like that but harry potter is just held by such thin threads with its world Mm -hmm. that if you add like any sort of critiquing lens on it you can't really come up with a justifiable reason for stuff uh that's the same way you can for like star wars um and i think that's just where it comes down to it it's just not a well enough built thing and my last statement on it is where my percy jackson game at y'all man that's all i'm saying um because that world is way better made uh than harry potter you heard it here first ladies oh and man uh, the harry potter in me oh the harry potter <laughs> yeah. in me feels we're gonna like revive off. that i mean if we're getting a percy jackson tv show this is now the time to re-bring up that fight i used to be on the opposite side of that harry potter all day and now i'm like i've been reading through those percy jackson books that's that's a pretty solid simple meal well made compared to all that we got with harry potter and uh I- yeah. I, I want to, you know, like before we go, um, and because I know we have other news stories, but like yeah. I want to say that, you know, I've come across That's extremely important. negative, but I've really enjoyed this game. Like I love, yeah. I love playing in this world. I like, I like a lot of elements into it. I feel like it's half baked, and I want more because, like, the bar, like if i hear a game is a 9 out of 10 i'm like i want i expect it to be like a 9 out of 10 ass video game like i expect yeah. it to be like and, and here's the thing like jedi fallen order was that also 
Yeah, and I can I can even also try to level some of the same complaints because that game was also very half baked. I just loved it a lot because I loved Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think yeah. Um, like revisiting it after patches, I think it's like an eight for Fallen Order that is. Um, but then at the same time, it had a lot more that vibed than something like this, where like you didn't have to deal with any of the gear, any of the fluff. And even the the open world was a meticulously crafted Metroidvania. Yeah, it was Metroidvania. This is, like... this is an open world that definitely is very witch has very witchery aspirations, based on like some of the, uh, yeah, the way you witchery, do dialogue. Yeah. So, which like, none of it matters either. That's another. And thing. then I think um, I think this is also like going to be like the first game bump of we haven't had a Harry Potter game since what the horrible Deathly Hollows games in like right. almost a it's... decade. So everything will seem like initially more impressive when you can when you consider everything that came before and we that never had a game that was above like a seven out of ten in the harry potter universe it's, so it's like, another case of like starving for stuff sebastian mm -hmm. were you gonna say something else the only the only thing and i and i don't want to be rude when i say this is like i don't it. want anyone to, to this is alejandro this. here yeah. he has been so rude for just about everything <laughs> yeah but i don't want to be rude to like developers shout out to like, avalanche studios for like making this this game is like uh, this game is very impressive. It's just like I almost asked myself, I'm like, this is impressive for their first game. You know, we were we talked about that at length. I'm like, for their first real major game to where it's not just like a throwaway license game that is associated with the movies, like this is very impressive. I almost feel like though, like I would I would have loved to see what like a grand project from Insomniac could look like with if they were given this lore because the way they did Spider-Man, like there is no loose threads. There is yeah, like and I think to me that's what makes this game more impressive in a way that you know they didn't have first party like focus and mm -hmm. budget. This was a multi-platform game. Yeah. So the fact that this has that, like I want the, the, the love and care that you can see in this game. Maybe not like you can criticize it like in the minutia and all that. But when you see this, this is what you want your licensed games to look like. Like, yeah, they, this is exactly what you want them presentation to feel like. Wise, presentation wise, it's, it's immaculate. Yeah, yeah it's good. It, it is really um, good. I, I love the I love like how many different options they gave you with performance modes with um like performance modes with like the visual modes. Like it's great. Like I, I can't options as well. Oh, for sure. The Phenomenal atmosphere, especially delving through some of the dungeons and crypts and things. So it's like I know we we spoke so much about the things that frustrated us because of how much it's been talked about. I think um, in some of those aspects, but I think yeah, um, the thing is that it's like it yeah. feels like an honest conversation about this game cannot be had, like right now, uh, because of uh, what you might call it, like the controversy surrounding it. You're gonna have people pushing back against that controversy, so it may seem like they're over. It may seem like they're overpraising to kind of combat the fact that many people already wanted this to fail uh, in lieu of like all the controversies around the IP, in a way. So, and the truth it's... can be somewhere in the middle. I'm like, gonna be honest things, here. Like, I played like are... 20 hours of that this game and haven't thought about that woman once. Like I, I'm gonna be real. Exactly, like yeah. I haven't <laughs> thought about that woman once. I, you and know, that, that, that says a lot. That there is like it's a. It sounds like a, a very flawed experience from like when you're like very knee deep into the Harry Potter world, like how things could be better knowing like how that world works. But then when you like step step outside and see what they've done, it's like as a first game, it's like yeah, man, shout, like, out, shout, shout, shout out to Avalanche. So, and obviously, imagine those things that you, they could add in a sequel now that they know that this game is a hit. 
because they were in WWE games. You know, WWE games is the most unstable developer, like oh, set of goodness. developers ever. Like just in their in their recent output alone, like all the things that have been like taking forever to make, like Gotham Knights being a complete disappointment, like Suicide Squad seeming like it's gonna be one now that we know that it had live service pinnings and all and all of that. So now they know that they had a game that has been for the most part very well received by many like it has a very high like user score rarely a rarity here like a 9.1 user score we know we know that those can be real fake and can be like trolled easily by bad faith arguments like i can just imagine what the sequel will be like i always am the big proponent of like take the great foundation to start and then get a better sequel out because you already got a, a, a nice base yeah, and I, I think one of the, the glowing recommendations that each of us will probably give is like, we've all played a varying amount of time with this game and all of us are excited to finish it. I think, yeah. So I'm like, I, I you know, I I can't say anything more than like, shout outs to them for, for doing this. This is, a, this is a really good game. It's not a great game by any means of the imagination. It has a lot of flaws, but it's, it is what we play video games for, to have fun. And it's a fun experience. Yeah. So we had like a few stories. I just want to cut a, cut just to one because this one, because we kind of mentioned this game already in this conversation. So no need to do the press X for some news, Paul. Like I want to read you this uh, All right. real quick. So this is a story by Chris Collin by BGC uh, for, from BGC. Kratos was originally going to have a different fate in God of War Ragnarok. Uh, speaking to Minmax, you know them, uh, Sebastian's Ben, Ben, uh, what was his last name? I forgot. Ben Hansen. Hansen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so he had Matt Sofos, the writer for, God, for, for Ragnarok, and someone else that also contributed to writing. So, Matt Sofos was asked about the end of the 2018 God of War title, in which Kratos sees a mural that shows his death, suggesting a prophecy that could happen in the next game. Although the mural is shown again early in Ragnarok, Kratos ultimately doesn't die, and Sofos was asked if there ever, if, if there ever were plans to actually kill him off. There was the earliest, earliest draft of an outline that we had come up with that we took to director Eric Williams, Sophos replied, revealing that in this draft, Kratos died in the Thor fight at the beginning of the game. He continued, and so he was gonna die and then it wasn't a permanent death. What was gonna happen, what was gonna happen, and I don't care if we can tell this because it doesn't happen anymore, and this is all fanfiction at this point, <laughs> he would get pulled out of hell essentially by Atreus. But it's now been like 20 years have passed. It was gonna be a big time jump type, type of thing. So that was a version of it. Ultimately, Sofos explained Williams wasn't keen on going down that direction. The decision Sofos says was the right one. Eric was like, I don't want to do that. Kratos has died and come back from it too many times. And he'll feel a little bit too, oh, you said he was going to die and oh, you just kill him. But he came right back, he recalled. The hook, the emotion wasn't really going to be there. And he was absolutely right. And so that's why it didn't last very long. Sophos also added that the game's current ending, in which Kratos is still very much alive by the end, helped create a message to players that their, fa- that their fates aren't sealed. As we were developing the story, we knew we wanted it to be about letting go and changing, he explained, knowing that Norse mythology is all about fate and prophecy and everything, and we wanted to say, that's BS, you know? And nothing is written that can't be unwritten. As long as you're willing to make changes in your life, then you're not bound to fate. And so when we landed on that, when we know uh, that was the story we wanted to tell, we knew that Kratos couldn't die. Because then it would be like, well, are you just going to say that Kratos couldn't change? And that would suck. So, I'm very glad that they made that change for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're going to make similarities to a certain other big budget Sony game. But yeah, that has uh, a before we go into going. that route, <laughs> um, just to 
I, it made me realize because I knew that they were teeing that up so much in 2018, like Kratos would die in the mm. next game potentially because we saw the prophecy for it. Um, what a good yeah. kind of switching things up on people instead of a, oh yeah, this is totally what we set up was going to happen and it happened. All right, congratulations. What? How are you going to make that interesting? You know, um, so it's almost and somehow tying it to a really positive message in the spite of all that where it's like yeah you know what like you can make changes in your life and as long as you're able to do that nothing has control over what happens to you and i really like that concept where you're really like that was kratos's whole thing fighting fate fighting mm -hmm. gods and all that but then also still being a slave to them at the end of the series mm -hmm. um in a in a certain way i i really like changing that up for sure um what are y'all's thoughts on all that yeah you sebastian i want to hear it i you know like i'm i would have been fine both ways as far as like as long as i trust them to tell an interesting story and you know like if there's one studio i trust uh, to give us like a wowing story it is that studio so i'm like it, they could have made both ways interesting i'm glad i'm perfectly happy with the way god of war ended i'm like ragnarok made me cry i'm like i loved i love the narrative in that game yeah. and i you know and they left a lot of room to do other things in the future for mm -hmm. not just kratos but other characters in that lore so i'm like i'm fine with the way it ended i'm like i would have you know, if they had like an alternate ending to where it really wasn't the real ending and they showed us that, I would have been perfectly fine with that too. It was like, hey, like, hey, we're just going to put out the cutscenes from this alternate ending and let you see how that would have paid off. I would have been, I'd watch it, but you know, yeah. like kudos to them for, you know, being open enough to to say this in the interview because like most people keep that stuff like very tight to the chest. Yeah. And we know that that's just not going to happen now because you basically said spill it out. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been very vocal of how much I love The Last of Us Part 2. I adore that game. I adore the story of that game. I adore how that game made me miserable in a good way because it was like it was like a, such an impactful story. This coming a little too soon from that, like another like killing the main protagonist at first, even though in this case, uh, he would have come back in a way, I think would have like started the story kind of like around a similar kind of tale and this just feels like the much better, much more fulfilling and much more cathartic story they ended up telling was they subverted. This was, it was kind of like in a world that hates the subversion of expectations. I feel God of War Ragnarok was the right way to subvert because it subverted in a way that into something that Paul absolutely loves. Like he loves when everything can because Paul is like, there's a reason why uh, Paul's favorite superhero is Superman because uh because Paul hates like the cynicism of the world. He likes positive bias being thrown. And I'm someone that to me, like depending on how you do positivity, that can sometimes feel either too corny or something that says, oh, yeah, sure, positive. Yeah, it's something that it's easy to forget uh, in my mind. And I feel like Ragnar is one of those rare ones that they put that positive spin while also delivering such great message that impacted and can leave you crying. Like I was also one that that game had me in tears many times throughout that story. It's like, just the catharsis of, of Kratos and Atreus like, define that fate. And I'm just glad that they were able, and I bet you they they pivoted from this way before they saw the reaction to The Last of Us Part Two because they started working this game in like 2018. Part two came out in 2020. So I bet when they when they saw that, that, that SpongeBob means you send me, Paul. It's just the, the sigh of like, 
Ooh, I really dodged a bullet on that one. Um, I I definitely think so overall. I just like you said, Sebastian. I think you are right. Like this is the group that could make that very powerful, no matter what they had chosen. Um, I understand their reasonings why they didn't, even mm-hmm. unrelated even from the other game. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's like, yeah, no, that would have kind of like gone along with the thing that we're not trying to sell for our mm-hmm. last big like message for this game series um and i think i like it as well because it adds for a lot more of a globe trotting adventure style thing where instead it's like okay your objective is once again set up from the very beginning and that is your goal for the whole game anything else is just distracting you from that get kratos back from the afterlife kind of a thing um which that was a big uh, problem people had with 2018 which is obviously up to interpretation for a lot of people mm-hmm. but the idea of all right go to the mountain and then constant problems trying to get to that mountain versus mm-hmm. all of that and then getting to that and saying no that wasn't the mountain it was this mountain this fountain and, and then, it's like, like we're there in the mountain and then we're gonna like have like a discussion here comes the dragon and we're going down, to, <laughs> down yeah to this so thing. that kind of being fresh in people's minds i'm sure they were also like well that's kind of the same basic structure let's go something different and i'm very glad that they kind of went in such a different direction also just i wasn't expecting the whole coming of age idea of atreus and like the idea of watching your son grow up and realizing you have to change the nature of your fatherhood to that son that's like mm-hmm. i'm not a father so i didn't really understand how that felt and now mm-hmm. i feel like i experienced it by yeah. watching that happen and, because we uh, know why like yeah. the, the like the coming of age of atreus is a uh adolescence it's, it's like as yeah. people were formerly uh youngsters and stuff and now we're uh, adults like near our 30s it's uh well you're in your 30s paul i'm getting becoming 30 this year and i don't know how old you are sebastian i'm 31 there you go so i'm the last one i'm the last remnant here before i hit 30 this year so yeah and and to me it's like i'm just glad that to me like the story that the last of us part two told it's like, I think it's more special because I know it's the only game that's going to attempt to tell that, that kind of story. Having another game that to try to capture those same beats would have like diluted because be like, okay, now we see people copying that. So I'm glad that these two games like exist in my mind and complete polar opposites in a way that works. And I'm also happy, like, I want to go back to Ragnarok, but I'm kind of like, New Game Plus is coming soon. New Game Plus is coming soon. Just yeah. hold on. Just hold on. Just hold off. Just hold off. There's other That's games. That's what I'm voting all for. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. like other games that are playing. I had to play Hogwarts. I have a, a certain game that comes out next week we're going to read about. I have to be reviewing. I have two back to back reviews coming. So, Paul, tell us about the game releases for the week of February 19th to February 25, 2023. Right. <laughs> Got to get myself. <laughs> prepared for this one because if y'all anybody listening doesn't realize it's uh it's a long yeah it's long. <laughs> you might need to take a, a swig of bubbly a, there yeah. I'm, i i finished off my bubbly i gotta <laughs> drink some water whenever i'm getting tired on this one all right so game releases for february 19th through 25th of 2023 aka arc uh aka r there we go. For PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. I'm glad I'm not the one getting construction near my house. On February 21st, Atomic Heart on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC on February 21st, also on Game Pass. I know that much. 
Like a Dragon Ishin, uh, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on February 21st. Digimon World Next Order on Switch and PC on February 22nd. And all of these afterwards, except for certain point i'll tell you are for the recently released playstation vr2 on february 22nd and those are after the fall altair breaker cities vr enhanced edition cosmonius high demio drums rock discronia chronos alternate fantavision firewall ultra gran turismo 7 horizon call of the mountain job simulator the 2050 archives Jurassic World Aftermath Collection, Kayak VR Mirage, Kizuna AI Touch the Beat, Moss and Moss Book 2 Bundle. Oh, Moss and Moss Book 2 Bundle. There we go. NFL Pro Extra, Pavlov VR, Pistol Whip, PlayStation VR 2. <laughs> and, uh, oh, wait, no, that's the actual thing. Puzzling Places, Resident Evil Village, Res Infinite, Song in the Smoke, Star Wars Tales of the Galaxy's Edge. Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, excuse me. Synth Riders, Tentacular, Tetris Effect Connected, The Last Clockwinder, The Last Brigade, The Tale of Onogoro, Thumper, Townsman VR, Vacation Simulator, What the Bat, Zenith The Last City, and Zombieland Headshot Fever Reloaded. And the last ones not included in that VR2 list were Blood Bowl 3 for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on February 23rd. Company of Heroes 3 on PC for February 23rd. And, oh wait, we've got a few more. Sons of the Forest on PC for February 23rd. Clive and Wrench on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC on February 24th. Kirby's Return to the Elite Dreamland Deluxe on Switch for February 24th. And lastly, Octopath Traveler for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC on February 24th. I don't think we're ever going to see a list this massive in a long time. <laughs> Imagine um, having to review, gosh. like, because obviously uh, they sent PlayStation VR 2s to some influencers and the media. They're going to be posting their reviews soon. Imagine having to cover all those games. Oh, my goodness. Imagine. I bet they're not. I'm like, yeah. I bet they're only going to play Horizon, Call of the Mountain, and Call of the Day. And maybe at that point, maybe I'm trying to look at the list and see any other game that I think like major big outlets like, are going to play. Yeah. So they had the advantage that they have a bunch of re-releases here that they can just like yeah play it briefly and be like, it's the same game. It's just better here unless it has like completely different uh, uh, new content. And my yeah. thing with this is that I didn't buy PlayStation VR 1. Uh, I did try it at the university. got a little bit of a headache. Uh, VR is just not for me. It's like it's... Same. I want it to be because it's like the idea is so cool. I remember playing VR like arcade machines. And those like mech games that you would like put the visor and then yeah. like be turning around. It's like there's something really cool about that. It's just that especially right now, the PSVR 2 is $549. And... There's the bundle with Horizon that's like 600 So it's like, that's too much money. Like, that, that's a right now too much money. And I don't know if, like, what if this doesn't sell? Then what is, where will the support go? Especially because they're overpricing this compared to the first PSVR. So to me with this list, Atomic Heart. I'm reviewing Atomic Heart. Like, yeah. they're, uh, they, I'm, I might get a code for Atomic Heart because I, uh, Season Gaming is like, uh, it's contacted PR for that one, but I'm still gonna review it even if I don't get that. So yeah. that's it for me for this list. What's like interesting for you that's not VR, Paul? Uh, Paul? Um, like you said, uh, 
Atomic Heart is definitely the one that I'm going to for sure play out of this. But I know of um, I know a lot of people, like we said before we started recording, really champion the Digimon World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there was a couple of these, like the I mean, you had Gran Turismo Seven seems built perfectly for that Resident and that's, Evil and, and that's the thing like if you own Gran Turismo 7 that's a free update that's actually really yeah. cool that some of these games that are here they have like free updates if you already own them to be able to play that because Sons of the Forest that's the Forest 2 um, I think okay yeah I know some friends that are going to be really into that one so uh, big day for survival buddies uh, obviously Kirby's Return to Dreamland coming out Octopath Traveler 2 those are like the main ones uh, that I think a lot of people are going to be hyped up for uh, beyond that. Sebastian, is there anything uh, talking to you out of that list? Um, of course, what the bat? Like, what the bat really <laughs> speaks to me on a very personal... Nah, nah, I'm playing with you. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm playing I just love that you. there's a game called Watch You had me for like two seconds. I was yeah. like, dang, is that like a hit or something? Nah, oh, shoot. Nah, man. <laughs> it um, does look indie-like, but it's PSVR 2, so... Yeah, I'm be real with you. I'm not a PSVR kind of person. I'm not a VR person in general. And then like I'm looking at a lot of these games. Like I haven't I haven't played Octopath One, and I'd feel almost compelled to play the first one before I play that mm-hmm. one. And but that's the only game that's kind of interests me out of like all these. I think um, Atomic um, Heart kind of like seems interesting but you know like that one I, the advantage is that it's going to be on game pass so it is going to be on it is going to be on game pass and i think one of the things that i like about it um on a personal level is like the story behind it you know like the the fact that it all this had to do with like the UK, ukraine war and all that kind of stuff like the studio had to deal with that and then like you add to the fact that like um the composer is donating like his fee to like the the ukraine um ukraine you can you hear me oh yeah i can hear you uh alondra had to mute himself because of the construction noises nah it's all cool they're they're donating um their fee to the ukraine crisis and so i'm like i i think there's so many so much cool like heartfelt stories around this game so i wanted to succeed on a personal like basis and you know like i i want single player games that are similar to doom and wolfenstein to succeed because i want more games like that so i'm gonna check it out so i want um, more shooters that are not live services this is one yeah, yeah, I want more campaigns. Yeah, I want uh, I want more first uh, first person um, shooter campaign. So I'm like, I like that genre. I think that genre is one that I hope doesn't go away, but it kind of feels like it's starting to. But like one of my favorite games of last year was Prodeus, and Prodeus is like a indie game that is very much like a cross between like Doom and uh, Doom and like. Um, kind of like halo a little bit and it is it was one of my favorite experiences in the first person shooter genre of last year and the fact that like so many people made really cool like um, maps in that in that yeah, game it, that was with like the pixel art yeah kind of shooter right yeah i remember yeah it looks like retro doom and like the fact that people made like a waffle house map and and people were playing in that oh that, that was this game okay yeah proteus and yeah. it's so I, I like first person shooter campaigns and I, I want to see more of those. So I, I want oh, Atomic Heart to 20 succeed. Bucks on PSN. It is it. it's Stop a it. really good game. <laughs> it is a really so good game. <laughs> it uh, is a really good yeah. uh, game. either y'all have like Xbox Game Pass? Is it on Game Pass? I, is it on Game Pass? Yeah, that's the that's like I think it's still on Game Pass to this day. Oh, so why I'm did like, I know that? Like, I'm definitely gonna go download it then. 
Yeah, well, yeah it, that that is easy. Uh, I will definitely check that out if it's on Game Pass. Um, yeah, I I think to y'all's points for sure. I think one of my favorite ways to experience narrative games is a first person shooter somehow, um, because like I Bioshock like really first person perspective. Me. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, um, because it's really intimate. I despite its issues, I really love Metro um, and like the deep like detail you can have whenever your face is right there you get like a lack of jank almost when you do that um and i had like a renaissance of that when i played through titanfall 2 just like watching how easy you can make animations and hands so expressive Dude. that you can really tell an interesting story Far Cry 3. and metric prime another example of how immersive it is because you can also see sam as like something's going third person where you're going to morph ball and then you see like the camera go back into her visor like, yeah. because you're seeing everything through her eyes and then you just feel so compelled and there's something you don't stop playing because everything feels so immersive. Yeah. So it's, I yeah, think that's, that's a really good example of that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, um, I think that's pretty much it on my, my thoughts for all of that stuff. Just, uh, yeah, for such a long for, list, it's like such a long yeah. list for so little of interest for us, but I can't wait to see like the reviews for PSVR. I think they came out they're, they're coming out today. Uh, like the actual machine they were going to review it and all that so I do want to like give like the benefit of the doubt in some ways because I do know um, several friends that do it very regularly it has actually like very positively affected their health mm -hmm. and uh, one thing that I've learned is no matter how bad you are disposed to it at first for your brain your brain does just get used to it surprisingly fast and then it just doesn't affect you anymore no matter what really affects you it's just a play for like 10 minutes every day kind of thing and all of a sudden you're going to be like not even feeling it anymore apparently mm -hmm. but um yeah it's one of those things i wish that i had the time and the space for the because space I is the, the space is a very big one right now where i'm at where i usually play my games i don't have the space for that so but we'll, we'll see like i hope they sony commits to this vr because they did commit to P vr one more than i was expecting but the price never got quite right for me so that just kind of passed me uh, like, I wish I had played Astrobot Rescue Mission, especially how much I love Astro's Playroom. And Rescue Mission was basically that. So, yeah. and I've heard many great things of that. So, but we'll definitely see. And with that, that concludes this week's episode of the X Button. Sebastian, where can people find you? Ladies and gentlemen, everyone, everywhere, you can find the Prince of Podcasts at the Single Player Experience Podcast, where we talk about dope single player games that you should be playing. We also have interviews with devs. We also talk about some really cool concepts in games. And, you know, recently we've talked to um, industry leaders. Um, I had um, a really cool guest on my show where he is the world renowned expert in all things Tarzan. We talked about like Tarzan as a video game. And uh, wait, wait, the PS1 game? The one that was no, like a side scroller? I, well, like he was a consultant on that project, but oh, like, okay. um, but like we talk about like, um, he's been um a part of like a lot of different um Tarzan films recently. Uh -huh. Like he did the last one with Samuel Jackson. He was a mm -hmm. consultant on that project, mm -hmm. and so he and I were talking about what Tarzan would look like as a modern day video game yeah. in like an uh, open world concept. Do you remember Tarzan Untamed? Yeah, on, I do. On PS2 I do. and GameCube. <laughs> Is that the one that the entirety of it was just a button masher? Because mm -hmm. one like, of those games for PS2 did irreparable damage to my hands. <laughs> yeah, there, to was, there was some like missions where you had to like be tapping the button and then do like a combination of things. Yep, so, like, yep, 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 yeah. yep, 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 yep. <laughs> yeah. I hate that game. <laughs> because of that reason, I, I 
just yeah. sit there doing this yeah. for hours. <laughs> oh man, yeah. maybe that's why I have these issues with my hands. No. Yeah, I would but... shake their hand, <laughs> except you know. No. You, you got the um, hook hand now. <laughs> I got the, the hook hand. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um. Yeah. We had um people like um, Matt Hatchett, who's the author of How to Create um How to Make a Video Game by Yourself. Um, that's awesome. We had him on the show. Um, and we've had different devs who just do deep dives on their indie games on the show recently. So you know, like the show's growing. I love um everything that it, everything it's becoming, and I want to thank y'all for being a part of it. And you know, I hope to have uh, hope to have y'all in the episodes really soon yeah. so thank y'all for having me on the show today yeah always let us know when and we can try to make it work paul where can people find you as always y'all can find me at dork of art on twitter and also dork of art on youtube because it sounds like any video of me breaking a video game is gonna have to go there after that whole update thing goes live yeah, that API, hasn't already yeah. but yeah um that's where you can find me usually yeah. but if not you can find me here no. Where can they find you, Alejandro? A underscore Dora Segovia on Twitter, A Segovia on Hive, Alejandro Segovia 93 on Instagram, and my written content at both thecriticalcorner.com whenever I write there, and my recent reviews over at seasongaming.com. So, always a pleasure getting to have you all here. Like, uh, Sebastian will have a one on one episode pretty soon when Paul starts moving, like in a couple of weeks. So, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. I am looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. But thank you all again for having me on. Yeah, always a pleasure having you on and to, for you coming through, Sebastian. So, and you pull through because I, you were able to see more about Hogwarts because I couldn't. So <laughs> it was, was going to be so you and Paul got, got to like carry that for me. So I feel like a little weight lifted. <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts as you play more because I'm very interested if like your lack of knowledge about that helps you experience it in a positive way or if you end up souring at some point. Yeah, uh, but I, I really hope it doesn't. I sour it because we talked about it in such a negative no. light <laughs> i have i have this thing that sometimes when people are very negative about a, a thing i tend to go the opposite way so i know it's for spite yeah exactly <laughs> so, but not just for spite that's just how i feel sometimes because it's mm-hmm. like you put it yourself it's like is it that bad and then you play it it's like no this is not that bad that's how i was with gotham knights it took me like after two months away from ever finishing that game being like you know what this shit kind of ugly so. <laughs> I, I was about to say I'm like I, I I'm a huge Batman fan as well as somebody should be brought up on Chargers for Gotham Knights yeah I'm like somebody should be somebody yeah. did me a disservice on that one yeah, our I'm, friend Zach uh, you don't know it because he he uh he did the art for our show and um he we have him in our chat that we, me and Paul have like he felt like personally like affronted by Gotham Knights oh that I can like, understand yeah. why <laughs> oh yeah it's just like especially because he's a big um like the Bat Family in particular, Nightwing in particular is like his favorite, absolute favorite hero. And unfortunately, Nightwing has been done dirty in many ways. And Paul knows one specific way that I have yep. retired by this point, but it involves yep. guard, it involves garden shears. All I, all, all I say. So, <laughs> so yeah. But enough <laughs> of that. So, thank you everyone for listening for for listening to this episode. Hopefully that. The construction sounds are not too annoying that I was able to try to mute myself for. And uh, we'll see you all next week and stay healthy, stay safe. Have a great rest of February. We're recording on the 15th. We're already halfway through the month. Can you believe that? And nope. <laughs> Press X. To play. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Hasta la vista, baby. Peace out.
So that's it for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out to Alejandro and Paul for having me on the X Button Podcast and for letting me cross promote and publish this episode on the Single Player Experience Podcast. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the single player experience discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!